0: Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Friday the 27th of July. Well, coming up in today's show, I interview two market research experts. One of the questions I get asked most or most often or quite often by listeners is, how do we go about doing market research? So again, this is a show very much responding to what you guys out there say you're interested in. And I have Steve Phillips from Spring Research And uh, a fellow podcaster, Surinder Sayama, his podcasting is not his old job, he's a bit of a market research specialist as well, uh, from the Research Talk podcast uh, and uh, got an entertaining and, and really sort of practical and informative chat with them coming up very soon. I'll also have the usual roundup of comments and feedback from listeners. Uh, from all over the place now, Frapa Map, Facebook, uh, the Ning site, or just comments on the blog. And uh, really, you know, this show is, is been derived, has been inspired by comments from listeners. I've had a number of comments from people uh, actually recently about possibly doing something on how businesses survive terrible events like the flooding that's been happening, for example, in the uh, in England over, over recent days. A massive impact in, on business in terms of custom recovery insurance all of those issues so you know people are, are suggesting potential topics for small biz pod and it's much appreciated just drop me a line at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk uh, really all your ideas are, uh, are considered and are uh, potential new new editions of the podcast so do keep those coming and of course any comments on any aspect of the the show's Uh, that you feel like commenting on you can leave an audio comment as as well Uh, just ring one of the numbers on the uh, listed on the podcast blog at www.smallbizpod.co.uk and leave a message on the answer machine and I'll play it in the show so yeah feedback's really really great and I just quickly before we go into the interview want to say PodCamp UK. Uh, There's not going to be a podcast con, a podcast conference this year, but PodCamp in many ways is going to be great fun, more relaxed, some great informal speakers an opportunity to to meet up, and it's free, and it's in Birmingham on the 1st and 2nd of September. I'm definitely going to be there. I've got a feeling uh, Surinda Sayama, who I'm talking to in a minute, will also be there, as will a lot of others. So if you're just interested in podcasting, you're a listener, or you're in new media, or you want to find out just practically how to start a podcast, then uh, well worth checking that out. Okay, uh, I think that's just about it. Comments, as I say, after the interview, but let's now go straight into the interview with Steve Phillips and Sarinda Sayama. Okay, well, uh, in today's show, I'm, I'm responding to uh, a number of listeners who've written in and said, what do we do about market research? We've got a business idea. We, we've just started our business uh, or we're looking to start a business and we really want to uh, get a grasp of the market. How do we go about conducting that market research. Do we appoint somebody? Uh, do we do it ourselves? What areas should we, we be looking at? What resources should we, should we be exploring? And in today's podcast, I'm hoping to cover some of those issues as well as many others. And I would like to welcome uh, to today's show, um, Steve Phillips, who's managing partner at Spring Research, uh, an innovative market research uh, company. Uh, Steve, welcome to Small Biz Pod. Hi, Alex, and also um, Sarinda, uh Sayama, who is another podcaster. Which is which? I always I'm interviewing a number of podcasters recently, but he is podcaster in chief at Research Talk Podcasts, which are a series of podcasts uh, specifically looking at the market research space. So, Sarinda, uh
1: good to have you here. Uh, thanks very much, Alex. Good to be here.
0: Now, um, let's just kick off uh, by asking you, Steve. Um, there's a distinction, isn't there, between uh, start-ups that are you know, one-man or one-woman bands who are starting out on their own or, or small businesses that are starting out on their own without funding and those that are starting perhaps with a bit of funded venture capital. If you've got very little resource, if you are bootstrapping your business, how and what should you be doing to research your market?
2: Sure. I think mo- most of the time, if you're, if you're a start-up you can probably do very good or at least adequate market research on your own. The critical things really to think about are talking to as many um, potential customers as possible and looking at your competitive set. Now, looking at your competitive set is relatively easy. You can search online. The Internet has revolutionized uh, these types of things. You can look at uh, your competitor's website, see what they're doing, see what types of customers they have, see what uh, types of product offerings they're doing, see if they're expanding into different offering areas, which will give you a lot of um, good feedback about what the market looks like, what... what um, other companies that potentially in your space are moving into. But then, critically, you need to start talking to customers. You need to um, look at whatever it is you're offering – potentially also come up with, say, your four or five key competitors and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking of offering. These are my four or five competitors. Go out and chat to some people. If you're talking to consumers, literally just go and talk to friends, family members, and get them to recommend other friends or family members who may be in the market. Um, just get as many different views as possible show them your product offering show them your competitors get them to just chat through people will be mm. happy to help you out with that type of thing
0: i suppose one one potential question you might have uh, in relation to that is yeah friends and families they're they're always going to be they're always going to have a sort of slightly more positive slant i mean unless you've got a particularly frank friend or or, or family member which many of us may well have but also Traditionally, and particularly, I mean, I come from a corporate background and you always think, well, market research, you've got to have a, a certain uh, scale in terms of um, sample size to, to to make the findings remotely valid. So, can you, isn't there a risk that if you, you know, ask, you know, 10 or 20 consumers uh, of your potential product or service, that you're going to end up with something skewed and it could be worse than not having done any research at all.
2: <laughs> I think you'll definitely end up with something skewed, but ten- it, my feeling is that something skewed is better than nothing at all. Yeah. Most businesses will set up with absolutely no market research because they think they need to spend money on it or they need to get a 1,000-person sample, whatever it might be, you're much better off get, talking to friends, getting friends of friends, getting other contacts, um, and just getting some feedback. We Quite often we'll do uh, interviews on the street, and there's no real reason why anyone else shouldn't, so just stop people in the street. depends what your product is, obviously. Yeah. But if, if you can, if you are just talking about a general consumer audience, just stop them and ask them a few questions, see what they think. People will give you honest and good feedback. Um, most of the time, you're looking at yourself against a competitor. So they'll say, oh, those are the strengths and weaknesses of yours. Those are the strengths and weaknesses of, uh, of the competitor. And that will be useful. You're not trying to predict market share. You're not mm. trying to do you know, complex pricing analysis. You're really getting good general feedback, which will hopefully help you improve your product, improve your positioning, and give you a better feel for the types of needs that potential customers have.
0: So it's kind there of, are, it, sorry, it's kind of pooling gut instincts rather than relying on your own.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what happens with a lot of business people is when they're starting up, they're so obsessed with their own product they're so uh, focused on their own product or their own service, they can very easily just forget about how that fits into a customer or a potential customer's lifestyle. And that's where just talking to people in general, getting general feedback can be really useful. Yeah. Um, so you may have a wonderful technology or a wonderful new idea, but if, if it doesn't work for consumers, it's not, it's not any use at all.
1: Yeah. I, I think just to get in there, Alex, is you've got to avoid the extremes. One extreme is where you've got an entrepreneur who's got this sort of gut feel that he's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. Uh, and as we know, in, in most cases, they, they haven't. There aren't that many Googles that within seven years become as big as they have. Mm, mm. You want to avoid equally the other extreme where you totally rely on research for, for all your instincts. So you need to have that halfway house. I mean, I spoke to Zahar Hashemi a while back, mm. and she was saying research needs to inform the entrepreneur But ultimately, it's the entrepreneur's instinct as to how to interpret the research and to say, well, we're talking about a future product which may not be as powerful uh, now as it may be in the future. So I'll take take research to some extent. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can understand from the research. But I won't decide to kill an idea purely because the research today, based on what people say at the moment, actually says to kill it so yep. you need to kind of bear in mind those two extremes but I, I agree with steve and i think if you if you look at programs like uh ramsey's kitchen nightmares he goes out on the street he gets small businesses you know um restaurant owners mm-hmm. to do stuff they've never done before which is to go outside and say to people what do you think about this mm-hmm. they assume that because people come to the restaurant they're sort of voting and saying it's it's great but he goes out there actually at lunchtime and say what do you think about this and you know how should we change it and all that stuff yeah, uh, yeah. that 's all it needs you know if you're, yeah. if you're bootstrapped, you 're bootstrapped, you simply need to kind of just be a bit more lateral and say uh, let 's have conversations with people that's that 's always a good first step no absolutely, and you can do
0: that increasingly these days online, uh, clearly the social networking podcasts and all of that stuff um, there 's a huge opportunity to to really bounce uh, ideas and do some 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 genuine market research online. What kind of tools would you Recommend uh, for for startups online tools if they're doing it doing it doing it themselves.
2: There are um, we we have a. Uh, a myspace page mm. where we've collected various friends over the years and we use it to uh te- quickly test for clients trends see what's out there see what things are going on and that we've set up um by ourselves talking to other people getting uh, people around the country to join um so and that so that hasn't cost money and and there's no reason uh, other entrepreneurs shouldn't do the same thing then there are um Nowadays, there are a bunch of different uh, online web softwares for doing surveys, none of which will be, uh, you know, particularly sophisticated. But certainly for basic needs, um, you can do some research very cheaply. There are a lot of… And there's um, things
0: like SurveyMonkey, that's one example, isn't there? Yes, yes,
2: that's 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 a good example. Yeah. Yeah. And th- then there are other things as well. You can you can do some um, uh, buy questions on an omnibus. So there are lots of market research companies who run omnibuses, which are basically, uh, it's a vehicle with, it'll have 30 or 40 questions. You can simply buy one question. But that means you'll get one, one question asked to a random sample of about 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. So then you're getting very good uh, feedback. And typically those questions run to about, I think, around about £350 a question, yeah, something yeah. like that.
1: Uh, so they're not, that, yeah.
2: A, yeah, again, it's not particularly expensive. If you can get the right question structured, uh, you may find you need two, but you can get some very good feedback on a product or service um, very simply in that way.
1: I, I'm a great fan of blogs. Uh, yeah. Not that I, I, I use mine very extensively, but I think if you're in certain sectors or if the audience is, say, B2B, Uh, or you've got a consumer audience and they tend to be online or or very techie, Mm. it's a great place to collect ideas because what you're doing is, you know, this this cliche, marketing is conversations. Well, now we're starting to say in the industry, research is conversations. We're trying to go away from the Q&A approach to having this kind of ongoing dialogue. And blogs can give that because you've got a natural mechanism by which people comment on things, and they can say that they hate this or they like that. And smart companies, I think, actually talk about things that are of interest to them and the audience and don't just use blogs to advertise their wares, and that way you get this kind of ongoing dialogue. And then every now and then you get kind of a a nice nugget of information which kind of may even spur... Kind of new thoughts, new areas for development. I, I know um, in the states, Dell have got one of these,
0: yes, where, where they use
1: it to collect quite a few ideas. I mean, that's cost them next to nothing to set up, really, these days with uh, blog templates being free on WordPress, stuff mm, like that. Mm, so, mm. Um, and I know we're probably going too far down the line of <laughs> of, uh, um, of appealing to sort of cheap and dirty things. That you can do.
0: <laughs> well, because, if you're a bootstrapper, cheap and dirty is uh, is heavenly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but clearly there are funded companies there that are, want to yeah. do research with a yeah. bit more. Uh, uh, well with more with more resilience indeed
0: or? let's let's move on to that but but before moving on just quickly to say, I think one of the most interesting things about um, online for for any business whether you're a, you're an existing business wanting to research um, competitors or, or what people are saying about you um, the the blogosphere monitoring uh, conversations that real consumers, real business owners are, are having online through something like Technorati or google 's blog. Um, blog uh, search or, or one or two other tools too, can actually give you an extremely good insight into what real people are really thinking about certain products or certain competitors. And as a startup, if you can identify um, an area where competitors are being slated or, or are having you know, serious, serious issues, you then have an instant kind of um, uh, competitor niche to, to fill in and to, to, to benefit from potentially.
1: I mean, I I spoke to someone a while back, and uh, he was saying, uh, uh, and he's a researcher, he was saying in the research industry, we've grown up thinking that our natural instinct should be to go out and question people mm. but there's now such because of ugc uh, cgc consumer ge- generic content there's actually a lot happening where you just have to listen to people and mm. watch people mm. so ethnography and just looking at blogs podcasts and all that stuff people are telling you what they think as steve was saying people naturally want to express themselves if they're angry or if they like something you just need to listen in the right place and i mean your advice is great uh, and and from a competitive standpoint if you want to find sort of a usp uh, a place in the market that you can adopt then you know what you suggest is um, it's kind of one of the right ways to do it yeah yeah
0: let's um move on obviously because startups are kind of kind of take two forms there are there are there are the bootstrap startups but there are also startups that have uh, funding or that are seeking funding um steve what type of market research and, and what kind of resource is effective for that type of startup
2: in uh, that situation, you're much more likely to have some money where you want to um, engage with a, a, a market research company. Often you'll find that investors will want to see um, specific numbers in a business plan. They'll want to see potential penetration, uh, market penetration. They'll want to see uh, what consumers or customers think of your product or your potential product versus competitors. And so there they're looking for uh, much more robust research, um, often uh, the type of research is relatively straightforward. It will be introducing a product or a service but to a statistically reliable, nationally representative sample of people, um, getting feedback on that, looking at uh, that versus competitors, often doing some form of pricing exercise to see the optimum price point. Mm -hmm. And then you can obviously take take those sort of penetration numbers as well as the pricing points and put them structured into a structured business plan. So it, it gives investors a lot of confidence. We've worked with some startups in this area. Um, often as well, it's good, for the, it's good for the startup to have a named research company, a famous yeah. research company, although they tend to be a lot more expensive, of course. Yeah. Um, so there, there are things to weigh up there, but there are certainly advantages to doing a sort of robust piece of independent research um in order to persuade investors that it's worth going with you
0: yeah and um in terms of sort of quantitative versus qualitative um we, we've we've touched on the 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 quantitative i.e. the, the sort of representative sample of your potential audience customers mm. uh, etc um Focus groups. Focus groups have a terrible name after what the Labour Party have done with focus groups. <laughs> but, but our focus, group, focus groups are useful, aren't they? Are they? Uh, i don't it, know yeah,
2: <laughs> in in some situations i am not entirely sure they're ever the the, the best methodology they just right. happen to be an economical methodology yeah. uh, and and to be honest massively overused um, but certainly for if you're looking to develop an idea they're quite a creative environment in which to get people to discuss the idea discuss ways of improving it see where you fit against competitors mm. but if you want to test an idea if you've got the idea you know exactly what it is and you want to find out the best uh, group of people to sell it to, or you want to find out the right price uh, to sell it, at in which case you're much better off doing some quantitative research. Um, qualitative also is not, tend not not to be well received by investors who want to see some form of numbers. Mm. Uh, they want to see, you know, percentage of people who are likely to purchase it. And that's not the sort of thing you get from focus groups very often.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say there's a different sort of take on call versus quant. I mean, I. I don't think they're alternatives. I, I think uh, in many ways, as Steve will probably accept, you, you sometimes need a qual stage before you do a quant. Because if you can't ask the right questions, questions which you find out sort of more thoroughly from a qualitative, semi-structured or completely unstructured interview, yeah, then, then you're actual you've wasted time on, on getting numbers, which actually don't mean anything. Uh, a number of times i come across clients where they've said, no, we want to go straight into a quant approach. Mm. And they put their own sort of, Uh, sort of interpretation on the the right questions that they should be asking people, whereas if you really understood people properly first and then drafted those questions, put those into a quant stage, you'll get a much better output. Uh, sometimes in some industries where the universe size is so small, you may have some listeners who are in industries where they don't have hundreds or even thousands of people mm, mm. in their universe. So, invariably, everything they do is qualitative. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, there's a there's an interesting sort of step on from that in that um, some businesses, um, admittedly, probably rather... Rather small subset of all those that start up in the UK each year, but but some businesses are genuinely bringing something quite new, innovative to market, and are potentially creating a market. Rather, so the the the, the people to go and talk about, or to, to to go and do research on, are not they have not experienced the, the product or the service before. How effective is market research in terms of sort of prediction, sort of predictive research? Is that something that, that is uh, achievable or, or does it really best work for, uh, for, for analysing you know, existing, existing behaviours?
2: Market research uh, for new products is much, much better at analysing existing com- competitors to existing products than yeah. it is genuinely new ones. Um, it doesn't have a particularly good track record on genuinely new, but there aren't many genuinely new ones anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So from an industry perspective, it's not that much of a disaster. Yeah. Um, the, it's very difficult to get uh, consumers, particularly if you don't talk to them for very long, uh, to, to think about something which is genuinely new and tell you whether it's worthwhile having it or not. Mm. So in that sit, sort of situation, doing... Um, A simple focus group or a simple questionnaire is probably not going to get you useful information. You're much better at seeding it. Um, You're much better at doing what Google does, which is putting it out there to a small group of people in beta format, seeing if it works, seeing how it needs to be changed um, and using that type of research, which I would still describe as market research. But it's uh, not necessarily the traditional forms of market research. But actually testing the product in market with a small group of people is a much better approach for that type of thing.
0: Now, sometimes, of course, when you do your market research, uh, and this is maybe a reason why some people do not do market research, uh, the market research comes back and basically says, it's not going to work. What do you advise people do at that point? Maybe it's well, not really it, a bit of an unfair question because you're just, mar- you know, you're market researchers, not, not business advisors. But I mean, that's quite tough, isn't it, if that happens?
2: Well, to be fair, we like to think of ourselves as sort of business advisors, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with a consumer, consumer perspective, most of the time, you shouldn't be asking that question. Most of the time, what people are looking for, they, they've decided to start their business up anyway. So you're using market research to help you run and start up your business so you're using it to improve product to uh, get the right pricing to finalize your target audience instead mm. of talking to everyone should you be talking to younger people or older people or people in the north or people in the south what type of people should you be targeting well, What what Um, what media do they read so where should you be looking to advertise um what sort of um other types of products or services are they interested in that you could potentially partner with to get to them Mm. so those are the types of things you're asking about if you go out and ask a simple are you going to buy this yes or no then you probably deserve whatever response you get (laughs) back
1: i I think it's also one of the uh, ways in which you need to set expectations at the start of any um uh, sort of assignment where if you're a research company, you say, what happens if we get back these results? So going through v- various hypotheses. Mm. We're in a time now where there's another boom, if you like, a lot of startups, especially online. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: It may well be that people, even if they do be testing, find, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, we never know whether those products are going to take off. Mm. So in- invariably, um, you've got to be prepared for that scenario. But as Steve says, if you... Some of the smartest research I think looks for ways in which you can actually reposition the product yeah. or find a new market for it, so that it may not be as addition- as originally intended, uh, but it may well find its kind of niche it, it may be meeting another, uh, meeting another need yeah. other than originally intended kind of thing which is kind of
0: brings us on to conclude the, to the, uh, the the benefit of, of ongoing market research to a business isn 't it is it making sure that you are continuing to deliver uh, the right product or service to the right people, uh, and also potentially, um, one would hope, uh, giving businesses and entrepreneurs the opportunity to spot n- new opportunities and, and, and new um, you know, new revenue streams, as it were, that they might not otherwise have noticed.
2: That's absolutely right. Um, also, a lot of the work we're beginning to do now is what we describe as co-creation, um, but is really bringing your customers into your business strategy Mm -hmm. into the mix for new product development. So if you're looking to, if you've got an existing product in one area, but looking to expand it or use it somewhere else, bringing consumers into that process instead of creating something, throwing it at them and saying, do you want it or not? You start from your base and with them create something together, and that can be a much more effective way. Uh, Procter and Gamble, for instance, now uh, almost all of their new products are created with consumers instead of created by scientists and then tested mm. on consumers. Mm. Um, and uh, they've reduced their R and D budget by a huge percentage and increased their the percentage of products that work first time. Oh. So it's definitely the the best way to go is yeah. involving people throughout. Your really your, your, your business strategy but certainly on the new product development side and that will if you do that you will be spotting new trends as they happen anyway
0: Okay that's great so thanks very much Steve and Sarinda for coming on the show today. No problem thank you
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: So there we are I hope that uh, inspires you to get out there and do some market research. You can be quite creative I like, love the ideas there um, in terms of kind of co-creation in terms of uh, getting out there online and and getting out there amongst your customers and and them actually helping you develop and refine your products or services got to be the got to be the way to go kind of a natural extension but you know lots of information and practical advice there too on uh, how to go about more traditional styles of um qualitative or, or quantitative research so great stuff thanks uh, again to Steve and to uh, Surinda uh, for that conversation um now going on to comments. Um first of all I had a an email from uh, an Italian listener called um uh, Angelo Tardioli um who runs uh, as just set up a kind of a a, a fashion a high class fashion Italian fashion and uh, food business in Notting Hill Gate. Um and is looking for any uh, suggestions for good places to uh, network, um, if you're uh, wondering whether there are any kind of fashion networks or, or food associated networking events that he might be able to attend. Now, I don't know. I know quite a lot of web events, um, and sort of web 2.0 and technology networking events, but so I throw that open to, Uh, listeners if if there's anyone in London who knows of an event that Angelo could go to to make contacts and start talking to people that would be great just email me at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk I also had uh, an email from Hannah Wilkinson who uh, run or is involved with a a startup dancewear company Uh, she's a, a very young entrepreneur I think Uh, she's signed up on the the Facebook group, so thanks uh, very much, Hannah, for that, Uh, and good to to receive your comments. Um, She mentions the London Development Agency is funding a program this year called the Innovation Placement Program, uh, which involves getting an undergraduate student for eight weeks to work on a project for your company. Um, and uh, her company is getting a website built using one of those undergraduates. And she thought listeners might be interested. So I will put a link in the show notes to the scheme. It's called stepenterprise.co.uk is that uh, is actually the web address. So, Hannah, excellent. Thanks for that feedback. I'm sure there are people out there who could well do with some uh, uh, support from undergraduates uh, looking to... Uh, get some work experience in that way so thanks very much for that and then on the blog at smallbizpod.co.uk for the last few shows I had uh, a great comment from Dak Sharma who says, another great show. Uh, now talking about Facebook, I'm quite amazed by the features of this cool service. In fact, I listened to the last show of Small Biz Pod via the small player on Facebook. Uh, we'll be glad to hear of any updates on your planned CD of the first 50 episodes of Small Biz Pod. All the best. Uh, so thanks for that comment, Dax. Yeah, uh Facebook's a pretty addictive little tool, really, and uh, I know lots of people have signed up and uh, joined the Small Biz Pod group, so thank you all for doing that. Uh, Do spread the word. Do tell your mates. It's a it's a good thing. Facebook. I enjoy it, although some people have issues with it. But as I said earlier, lots of different ways to connect with Small Biz Pod. There's our Ning site. Don't forget, um, and the Frapper Map. I'll come on to who signed up to that in a mo. But first, uh, Small Biz Pod's first African listener. I think he Oladaily Auba from Nigeria can pretty much. uh, justify his claim for being the first African listener, the first African listener to say that they were a listener at least uh, he hasn't, he's from early in 2000, oh no, 2005 yeah, pretty early in 2005 I think uh, he says, hi Alex, just resumed listening to Small Biz Pod after a long absence how's your baby? The Babies are well, thanks Solid Daily, they're growing up fast uh, one and three I am getting some sleep now, so you'll be pleased to hear about that. Um, uh, And Ola Daily goes on to say, I was thinking of relocating to the UK a while ago, but now I think I'll be staying put here in Nigeria, even though things have been rough here lately. Will visit the UK occasionally, though. Uh, really enjoyed the discussion with Martin Webb. I certainly can relate to the point Martin made about people giving you all sorts of comments about why you shouldn't step out into business or why your business will fail and so on. I've listened to all of these comments, and I think it's helped me to rehearse... And fine tune the marketing and communica- communication plans I have. Um, every time someone tells me why the business will not work, I use it as an opportunity to re examine my value proposition and improve my marketing. Uh, I think that's a great point, Oli Daily. We, uh, <laughs> I commented back to say, you gotta, as an entrepreneur, I think you have to have this remarkable and quite strange uh, combination of uh, sensitivity and thick skin in order to survive. Uh, you don't want to be put off by negative comments, but equally you do need to be aware enough and self-aware enough to uh, listen to them carefully and draw practical conclusions about how your business should evolve. So uh, thanks very much for that, Ola And then just to uh, round off the listener feedback, uh, the Frapper Map, uh, who signed up? Who signed up? Indeed, who has signed up? Uh, well, I'm pleased to say uh, Richard Marshall, who's also on the Facebook group, who runs Palmal Barbers. Uh, uh, if you go to palmailbarbers dot com, check it out. Traditional style barbers in the kind of very posh area of London, and I'm, I'm really pleased to see Richard there. I used to work in St James's in London, and I walked past. I think the venue where his barbers is many, many times, so I know the area well. So uh, nice to see you there, Richard. Uh, also uh, signed up to the Frapper Map. Frapper Map for the new listeners is basically a a place where you can put your pin on a map to say who you are and where you're listening and add a photo if you want. It's quite a fun little thing. Uh, that, combined with Facebook and Ning, uh, are quite cool. Alan Noak from uh, Folkestone in England also signed up. Mads from London. And Rick Vanner from Macclesfield. Oh, and not to forget uh, Lisa Foster from Manchester. So uh, a good array of English listeners, British listeners there uh, today uh, in the Frapper map. So thanks for signing up to that. Uh, which leaves me really just to say, don't forget to pop over and visit the Small Biz Pod blog. Uh, the guys who are writing there, me included, I think are doing a really great job. And we, we've been really sort of focusing on it for the last four months and there's some great articles and great content there. I know that Sarah Scott is uh, currently just embarking on a, a series on email marketing, which may be of interest to some of you. Uh, David Tebert did a fascinating uh, piece just this week on... How to uh make your office computers more green by actually sharing one computer between many staff interesting concept there are programs uh that allow you to to share computer resources so uh yep yeah, check that out uh very interesting from a sort of green standpoint um What about business link? Have you got views on business link i've written a piece relatively recently on business link. Uh, with some ideas about how they should develop and evolve so uh, do head on over to the blog www.smallbizpod.co.uk forward slash blog and check out uh, the latest which brings me to my one of my favorite bits of the podcast I have to admit and that is the my personal choice of music for this week and this week I play, and I haven't played this type of music for a very long time, if ever, a piece of Psytrance. So if you are into infected mushroom, uh, this is a really great piece of Psytrance. Uh, thing is, I can't remember its name. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real classic. It's a bit of an epic as well. So let me just quickly go to it. It's by a group or an individual Called Matt, I think Matthew, uh, who uh, goes by the name of the Narcissus Project. And this track is called Beyond Babylon.